0: you'd open your Bibles to Zephaniah chapter 2 tonight, Zephaniah chapter 2, as we continue on through this important little prophetic book, we'll be looking at the first three verses tonight, which say this, gather yourselves together, yes, gather, O nation, without shame. Before the decree takes effect, the day passes like the chaff, before the burning anger of the Lord comes upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger comes upon you, seek the Lord. All you humble of the earth who have carried out his ordinances, seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for All of the scriptures, the totality of them, the Old Testament, the New Testament. We realize that these Old Testament passages, although this particular one has much to do with what will go down in the tribulation, still has applicability for us when we analyze and think it through. So I pray that the Holy Spirit will use it tonight to minister to us, and we will thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple of years ago, when we were down in Florida during that COVID pandemic, There was a man down there who was told that he was going to die. He had COVID. He was going to die. And they said to him, you have one chance of survival, and that chance isn't even a good one. But they said, if you don't take the chance, you'll be dead in two to three days. Your only chance is to go on a ventilator. And if you don't go on the ventilator, you're going to die. And he said, if you do go on the ventilator, you have about a 50-50 chance. What would you do in that case? The thing that this family faced, well, the family made the decision, well, what do we have to lose? I mean, we may as well go on the ventilator. Just before we left, he was on TV, he was wheeled out of the hospital, he went home, he had one chance for survival, he took it, and he made it, he survived. It was pretty interesting to watch. That is what this text in Zephaniah is all about. There is one chance for survival in view of the wrath of God. Now, the one chance that people have for survival right now is just Jesus Christ, period. Jesus Christ is the only one who can deliver people from the wrath of God. And God invites people, even who are in the time of wrath, to humble themselves and turn to him because if they do that, he may permit them to survive, literally survive the tribulation. Now we have said on multiple occasions in this church that what is happening in Israel right now is under the sovereign control of a sovereign God. We've also said that this is part of setting the stage, the clouds are forming, for the futuristic eschatological plan of God that does have connections to Israel. And the recent attacks that Hamas has leveled against Israel that have come from Gaza and from the coastal regions of Israel are areas that are discussed here. When you come to chapter 2 of Zephaniah, you see that it's Gaza and the coastlands that are specifically mentioned as a critical part of the prophetic plan of God. If you look at verse 4 of chapter 2, for Gaza will be abandoned, Ashkelon a desolation, Asdod will be driven out at noon, Ekron will be uprooted, woe to the inhabitants of the seacoast. I mean, we're looking at that very area right now. Now, we've been learning in Zephaniah that there are intervals of judgment that God brings against people and places. There are times when he targets certain people in certain areas, and he'll permit negative things to hit, and that will leave many people in places destroyed. And the reason why God does that, I'm convinced, is he tries to get people's attention. He doesn't completely wipe them out, but there are times when he will destroy an area or allow something to hit an area trying to get people's attention. He certainly did that for Israel. When Zephaniah wrote the attack against Jerusalem and Judah started just 20 years later, they didn't respond to that, so 38 years later, Jerusalem was burned to the ground. Now, back on July 2021, about five months after a new president had been sworn into office, an EF-1 tornado started in Arlington. It snapped and uprooted trees, it destroyed homes. The tornado crossed the Potomac River in Washington, D.C. It hit the National Mall. It destroyed temporary fencing that had been put up for the 4th of July celebration. It caused trees to fall on cars. Amazingly, throughout that tornado that hit Washington, D.C., only one person was seriously injured. Now, here's the question. Did that tornado cause the political leaders of this nation to say, we need to humble ourselves and get right with the God of the Bible? Did that tornado that went to that very spot cause these people who are in leadership to realize this is what God is capable of doing? No, it didn't. It did not. It didn't affect them. The fact of the matter is there are really a bunch of leaders who actually promote things that God's word says are abominable. That's exactly what was happening in Israel. God sent wave after wave of warning. I mean, he sent serious things against people, and he sent wave after wave of warning that I'm going to judge it. It didn't make much difference in the lives of the people. So as Zephaniah comes to this part of the prophetic writing of his prophetic book, he says, God is going to target and destroy specific places in his anger and wrath, and he invites people to repent and get into a right relationship with him. Now, the invitation given in this context is an invitation to get right with God before the decree takes effect. Notice verse 2, before the decree takes effect. Now, what we learn about this is warnings in the Bible that are given to us that pertain to judgment are things that should drive people to God. And this is the ultimate one here. The decree here is the decree to the day of the Lord, which will include that entire seven-year period of the tribulation that will lead to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That certainly is what is in view here, but as people think about any judgment, it should drive people closer to the Lord. There are different days and times when God carries out some type of disciplinary sovereign action, and he invites people in the midst of that why don't you seek to get into a right relationship with me? Now, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ here tonight, and I know that most of you are, the invitation to us, although we're not going to go into the tribulation period, we'll be raptured before that happens, is you're going to face a beam seat judgment. You're going to face a bema seat judgment. That will be the judgment that we're going to face. So the invitation given to us is, don't be grieving the Holy Spirit. Don't be quenching the Holy Spirit in view of the judgment seat of Christ. Whenever God gives his word and warnings in scripture, he gives a gracious invitation for people to decide to do what's right and get into a right relationship with him. I mean, God offers people grace, and people don't realize how devastating and intimidating God's judgment's going to be, but it's going to be serious, and those who are not right with God have no clue what's going to happen. They don't realize once the decreed, sealed judgments, and that's what we're talking about here, the decreed, sealed judgments that start in Revelation chapter 6, once that decree takes effect, there will be no stopping it. There'll be no going back. So God invites people, get into a right relationship with me now. Now, there are four important thoughts that Zephaniah develops that we want to show you. First of all, God invites the nation to gather itself together. Verse 1, gather yourselves together, yes, gather, O nation, without shame. Now, I understand this to be a corporate type of invitation to gather together in a movement to get right with the Lord. In fact, you'll notice that two times it is stressed here what the nation needs to do. It needs to gather itself together. It's a national invitation. Gather together and realize the nation is heading to judgment. And because it is in the context of the day of the Lord, the nation... Probably is a specific reference to the nation Israel, but it's interesting that the word that's used here for the nation is Goy, from which we get the Gentile nation word Goyim. So what I would understand that to mean is that the invitation is given to national Israel, who at that time was looking and living more like a heathen nation. I also think there is application to nations of the world as well. I think this is also an invitation to any nation. I mean, in fact, Nineveh is a great example of that. When Jonah went into Nineveh and proclaimed that God was going to destroy the city and warned them, you're going to be destroyed, the Ninevites repented it and they escaped the judgment of God. So this invitation, we could say, is a national invitation. It's a national invitation. We can certainly say it's also an individual invitation, but it's for Israel and other nations to get into a right relationship with God. And the problem is they aren't ashamed of their sin. The text says, O nation, without shame. That's the thing that leads to the judgment of God. Nations that should be ashamed of their sin aren't ashamed of their sin. In fact, they flaunt their sin. People think about the judgment of God as if it's just way out there somewhere. It's never really going to hit them, and it's never really going to happen. And so they're not ashamed of what's going on in their lives. We gave that challenge, set no unclean thing before your eyes, and I hope you've taken that challenge. I hope you're on year two or whatever year you're on whatever day you're on. I hope you're going forward with that. But people who don't care what's going on in their world, they don't care. They're not ashamed of what's going on in their life, and they're not ashamed. God says, I am calling you before this decree takes effect. I'm calling you to gather yourselves together and take a serious look at yourself and take a serious look at your sin and be ashamed of it. Now, when you read through the Bible... You can go back to Leviticus chapter 18 and 20. You have a list there of just, I mean, horrible immoral sins. All kinds of stuff in those two chapters, Leviticus 18 and 20. When you get into Romans chapter 1, that's a New Testament book. You get into another list of horrible, horrible sins. So sin's been around for a long time. When Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he racked off that list of what some of them had been prior to coming to faith in the Lord. He said, some of you have been fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, homosexuals, thieves, covetous drunkards, revilers, and swindlers. Sin has been around for just a long, long time. But what is new to our day and age is not the sin. The same stuff, the lesbianism, the homosexuality, the immorality, that's been around. What's odd and new about the time in which we live is that it's flaunted. It's flaunted. There's no shame to it. In fact, there's not always been a lot of shame. Obviously, back in the time of Zephaniah, there were some people that didn't have shame. But it wasn't like flaunted as it is today in the streets. So God says, you need to understand something. When sin reaches a level where people aren't even ashamed of it, and they're flaunting it, they're ripe for the judgment of God. And he says, you need to gather yourselves together. And you need to think very seriously about that reality. So God calls this nation to repent, not due to their conviction, They're not convicted. They're not ashamed due to the threat of his coming judgment. The nation Israel and the nations of the world need to realize God is going to judge, and that threat should be enough to cause people to realize, I need to be ashamed of my sin and evil. Now, most of us who are in a right relationship with God, we are ashamed of our sin. We don't even talk about it what life was like. We don't even mention it. We don't even want it brought up. It's gone. It's under the blood of Christ as far as the east is from the west. We don't even want to mention it. This is talking about people. They have no shame to their sin whatsoever. They're proud of it. They flaunt it. Israel has been a proud nation, totally unashamed of her sin that was bringing the judgment of God. Do you understand that Israel even today refuses to acknowledge Jesus Christ as her messiah? She makes a mockery of him, actually. The nation Israel makes a mockery of him, saying, oh, he really isn't our Messiah. It's interesting to me because they'll actually list things predicted in the Old Testament. Of course, their big one was he didn't bring peace and deliverance to us, so he can't be our Messiah. But the reason he didn't bring peace and deliverance to him is because they rejected him. Israel has been a proud nation, totally unashamed of Her sin that's bringing the judgment of God. And what God invites the nation to do is gather yourself together. Right now, gather yourself together and repent. Can you imagine what it would be like if the leaders of this nation, the United States of America, if Congress got together and said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to gather ourselves together and go before God and acknowledge the fact that we have become a depraved, wicked nation we are promoting things that are abominations to God. We're going to gather ourselves together and acknowledge this and turn to the Lord. Wow. That's what God's inviting Israel to do. That's what God's inviting nations to do. But the sad reality is we've turned our backs on God. We've turned our backs on the word of God and his program. We've promoted depraved things and the remarkable thing would be if a nation said, you know, we're going to turn back to the God of the Bible. And that's what God invites the nation to do. Now, the second thought is, God invites the nation to repent before the disastrous judgment decree hits. Verse 2, before the decree takes effect, the day passes like the chaff before the burning anger of the Lord comes upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger comes upon you. You know, the easiest thing for anybody to do in view of the warning of the coming judgment of God, the easiest thing to do is nothing. Nothing. Don't change anything. Just let time go on. That's what, in fact, most people do. Most people hear a threat of a message of the pending judgment of God. It doesn't phase them. They're not going to go home and make changes. Most people won't. Wise people will, but most people won't. And the thing that jumps out at you when you look at verse 2 is that preposition that's there, rem, which is before. Three times, God says, you need to do this before this. You need to repent before this. You need to repent before this. You need to repent before the decree takes effect. You need to repent before the burning anger of the Lord comes upon you. You need to repent before the day of the Lord's anger comes upon you. Now, this is aimed straight at Israel. It has direct reference to the Great Tribulation. This is a very serious time invitation. Israel, if she were smart, and looking at those Gaza, Hamas things that are happening right now, would say, you know, there's some statements in the scripture about these places. Maybe now's the time for us as a nation to turn the Lord, because if we get the decree moment, that decree moment where the tribulation is underway, things are going to get bad for us. This is nothing compared to what's described in Revelation. The Antichrist is going to try to track down every single Jew all over the world, and he'll start right in Jerusalem and Israel. But any nation or individual who wants to get right with God would certainly want to get right with God before judgment comes. If you're thinking right, You'd certainly want to make changes before you got before the Lord. And what God invites people to do is you be ashamed of your sin. Don't just accept it and don't just go along with it. Be ashamed of it and get into a right relationship with God before judgment hits them. Now, when God implements his judgment decree, it's going to move like the wind and blow away Targets of wrath like chaff. And he uses language here to describe what that tribulation will be like. It'll be burning anger. And God is stressing that this judgment will be ferocious. It will be relentless because he's going to pour out his wrath. The word anger, off is a word that refers to an adrenaline rush, even. An adrenaline type of anger. It's a Hebrew word that would indicate that when God unleashes this wrath, he'll be breathing hard and heavy. His nostrils will be flaring. And the adjective burning, burning anger, means that it has reached a hot, terrifying burning level so when this decree is finally implemented God will be raging in anger and what he's saying to people is you need right now to get right with me you need to make a decision before this hits because once this decree takes effect that sovereign anger and wrath will be poured out and the wine vat will be filled up of the wrath of God So he invites nations and individuals to repent before it happens. And God's people need to understand this. God's love for people does not permit and tolerate evil forever. I mean, he won't even do that for his own family members in the church age. I mean, God will not tolerate and put up with people that aren't ashamed of what they're doing. If they're doing something sinful and evil, he's not going to put up with that forever. I mean, he warns his own people in multiple passages of Scripture. Look, I'll discipline you. So the admonition to us is deal with this stuff before he has to discipline us. Which brings us to the third thought. He invites a nation or individual to seek a relationship with him in view of his coming ferocious judgment. Verse 3, seek the Lord. All you humble of the earth who have carried out his ordinances, seek righteousness, seek humility, perhaps you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. Now, you notice that the verb seek is used two times in the verse. It's a PL stem, and what that would mean in Hebrew is this emphasizes eager action. So it would mean that one eagerly wants to seek a relationship with God that's right. So what God challenges his people to do is, I want you to seek and search for something and strive for a relationship with me that's right. And when he uses the peel stem, he's emphasizing, I want you to give intensity to this. I don't want you just to go, K sera, sera. I want you to give an intensity to the action of making sure that you're dealing with things. You're dealing in a right way with things before me. I want you to give serious thought to that reality. Now, we get a glimpse in this verse of the kind of relationship that people need to have or the qualities that they need to have if they're going to seek a right relationship with the Lord. And in any dispensation there will always be that remnant. That remnant of people that will say, "I want that." It won't be the majority. It'll be the remnant. When the Lord Jesus Christ ascended into heaven, yet 120 disciples, 120. Think about it. He impacted thousands of people, thousands. He had 120 disciples. So it's not going to ever be the vast numbers of people that are going to seek to have this kind of relationship with the Lord. But you do get a glimpse here as to the kind of relationship, the kind of qualities that we need to have if we're going to seek a right relationship with the Lord. And even though this reality is not about the judgment of the church, this is about a tribulation judgment, and this is the kind of quality that people will need during the tribulation if they're going to seek a right relationship with God. Certainly, there are qualities that all of us could use in regard to our own walk with the Lord. Quality number one, there will be an intense desire to have a right relationship with the Lord. Verse three, seek the Lord. The verb indicates that. If we're going to have a right relationship with the Lord, there's going to have to be effort, drive, and focus. And obviously, one of the things that he brings out in the context is, One will be ashamed of sin and ashamed of evil and ashamed of things that have been an abomination to the Lord. This will be true for an individual who's seeking a right relationship with God. This will be true for a nation that is seeking a right relationship with God. If people want to have fellowship with God, there has to be an intense desire to have a right relationship with God. Secondly, there will be humility in seeking for that right relationship All you humble of the earth. Now, the reason why I think Zephaniah brings that up is that's the only kind of people who seek the Lord. Proud people don't. Proud people don't. In fact, when negative things come against proud, arrogant people, they don't seek the Lord. They basically say there is no God. That's what they do. They're proud, arrogant, and defiant. But I tell you this, there's absolutely no room for pride in a relationship with Almighty God. One who wants a relationship with God will be humble about pursuing it. And once we certainly admit the sin that has been in our own lives, and we see ourselves honestly before the Lord for the corruption that we've had, and we're ashamed of what we've done in previous times past, there will be humility, honest humility. Thirdly, there will be an intense desire to know and obey God's word. That's what he says in verse 3. He says in verse 3, who have carried out his ordinances. That tells us that one of the things that people will do If they're serious about seeking the Lord, they'll be serious about the Word of God. They'll want to understand what the Word of God says. They'll want to obey the Word of God. They're certainly going to want to do that in the church age, and they're certainly going to want to do that in the tribulation. Problem is, it'll be very few people who will know the truth in the tribulation, but there will be 144,000 Jewish evangelists, according to Revelation 7 and Revelation 14, who will be communicating that truth. Plus, you'll have two prophets that will actually be headquartered in Jerusalem, according to Revelation chapter 11. And so there will be this desire for people to know the word of God and obey it. Fourthly, there will be an intense desire to seek the righteousness of God. Verse 3, seek righteousness. Now that's what God wants his people doing. He sure doesn't want them seeking sin. He wants them seeking righteousness. Righteousness. In any dispensation, whether it's the church age or the nation Israel or the tribulation, anybody who would ever want to be right with God is going to have to have a desire to want the righteousness of God. And we certainly are going to have to want the righteousness of God with Jesus Christ that gives us that righteousness or we can't be right with God. And fifthly, there will be intense desire to seek humility. He says it again seek humility it's the same word used earlier in the verse by virtue of the fact that it's used twice indicates god will listen to the person who is of lowly mind it's an attitude that he sees in the heart it's an attitude of one who's before him who's meek and contrite and gentle if one wants to be right with god one cannot be proud and arrogant, and defiant, and dominant, and pushy, and harsh. So God invites people seek a relationship with him before, before that decree takes effect. Oh, Israel needs to know this truth tonight, because I do think the stage is being set for this decree to take effect, which brings us to the fourth thought. God says if one seeks a relationship with him, he will perhaps hide them and protect them from what he's doing as far as judgmental things are concerned. In verse 3, perhaps you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. Now, the you refers to the nation Israel. And the particular application of this in the immediate context is during the tribulation, God is inviting these people to seek a relationship with him, the nation Israel, to seek a relationship with him. If they do that, if they meet the criteria, he says, perhaps... I'll let you survive that tribulation. That's the emphasis of this, the immediate context of this. In other words, what God is promising is I will actually hide and protect people through the tribulation when they're in that tribulation, even if I'm pouring out my wrath. I may do that. And the niphal stem indicates God may take it upon himself to actually hide and protect people, even if they would be in the tribulation period, but turn to him. Now, as far as us making an application of this, because we're not going into the tribulation period, and we don't need to think in terms of actually being hidden from the wrath of God, because we can't be in the wrath of God, we're not appointed to wrath, we have Jesus Christ in our life, so we don't have to worry about facing the wrath of God, but there is an application we can make, and that would be this. If we purpose to be humble, faithful people of God, when God is judging a godless nation, I mean, he's allowing that nation to fall apart. He's allowing it to come unglued. He's allowing every angle of negative thing to hit a nation. He can still protect that remnant of people, and he can protect that remnant of people who love him and love his word. So even if a nation is becoming godless, and God is going to actually hit, or a city is becoming godless, and God decides I'm going to move negatively against that place. He can protect faithful people while he's actually judging godless nation. This has no reference to the tribulation whatsoever. There's another application I think we can make, and that is God promises people in the church age that if they continue to sin, he'll discipline them. He'll discipline them in that Corinthian church, he said, because you're not dealing with things honestly, for this reason some of you are weak, and some of you are sick, and some of you sleep. Well, if a person says, I'm going to turn to the Lord, let's say a person is under the disciplinary chastisement of God, a believer, an individual believer in the church age, is actually under the disciplinary chastisement of God, and decides, you know what? These negative things are hitting me because I'm not right with God. So if a person who is in that condition would say, I'm going to right now get back on track. I'm going to go before the Lord and I'm going to get back on track with my life. Then it is very possible that God can lift that particular disciplinary chastisement and turn the chastisement into blessing. So let's suppose you're a believer and you've wandered far away from God's Word and your world is caving in. And you're the cause of it. You've wandered far away from the Word of God and will of God. Your world is caving in. And you perhaps are experiencing one negative chastisement thing after another negative chastisement thing. My advice to you in light of this text is turn to the Lord. Go home and do honest business with God. Confess the sin. And perhaps, perhaps, God will turn that chastisement into blessing and bless you and use you. There have been moments in... Israel's history where God has protected those who were seeking a right relationship with him, he did that for individuals like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. There was Jeremiah, there was Ezekiel, there was Mordecai, there was Esther. I mean there have been moments in God's word when literally he was hammering judgment to the nation Israel and then he would single out these faithful individuals and he would protect them. There were literally those people we mentioned were protected when God sent judgment forces like the Babylonians and the Medes and Persians in there. But for us, we don't have to worry about the wrath of God or the tribulation period. We don't have to worry about that. In fact, it's a guarantee that our sins will be forgiven the moment we believe in Jesus Christ. But... This message that needs to go to the nations of the world and to Israel is one that I think God's believers need too. Because God will not just sit idly by in any dispensation and just allow people to just go off and do their own thing and think we're just going to walk down a path that is making God angry. God said, I'll reach a point where I'll issue a decree. That decree, of course, in this context, is the great tribulation that will hit the world in Israel. But he can also issue an edict concerning every one of his family members who are in the church. He can basically say, I am issuing a decree and things are going to fall apart starting right now. So if you happen to be one of those people who find yourself in that condition, the invitation is is gather yourself together, humble yourself before the Lord, confess the sin, and experience the great forgiveness of God before the decree takes effect. Let's pray. Father, we go through this passage of Scripture and our minds go in multiple directions. First of all, At least in my mind, I thank you for the cleansing grace of God that's found totally and completely in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because there are things in life, in previous days of life, previous years, that I am just totally appalled and ashamed of. And I thank you, Lord, that you're a gracious God who stands ready to forgive anyone in Jesus Christ. So thank you for grace. But also, this passage is a serious reminder that we need to stay on top of things in our own individual lives, Lord. We need to realize that you do monitor what's happening. You are close to us. And Lord, we certainly want to pray for our nation tonight. Lord, this nation needs to turn to you. And we realize if it doesn't, where it's headed, this text makes it pretty clear where nations are headed that do make mockery of you. So I pray that our leaders of our nation, Lord, if there's a remnant of them there that our serious, spiritually-minded men and women there. I pray that they would rise up and turn this nation back to you. We pray for Israel tonight. We know, Lord, that this text is very strong against her. And we realize, Lord, that Israel has butchered your son. She continues to make mockery of who your son is. We realize that, Lord. But we also would pray for her that you would just allow her to realize until she turns to you, Things are going to get worse and worse. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen.